Anything Ghost, number 299. Welcome to Anything Ghost. Anything Ghost is a place where our podcast, where people share their personal paranormal experiences and local ghost legends, and I share them with you on this podcast. If you have one to share, send it to Lex at anythingghost.com or visit the website anythingghost.com and click on the or tap on the share a story link. All right, everybody, stick around for the 2023 Anything Ghost episode number 299. Okay, this first emailed story comes from Tammy J. in Lexington, Kentucky, a ghost at a Titanic Museum exhibit. Hi, Lex. I like listening to paranormal podcasts with ghost stories, especially the ones that tell true stories. I found yours and am really energized by the stories told by others. In the past, I've participated in a couple of really interesting ghost hunts, one in a private home in Hodgenville, Kentucky, and another at an old courthouse here in Lexington. I've always believed that our spirits live on in some form after the body dies, and I had that proven to me a few years ago in a very big way. We once had a museum in the downtown Lexington at the old version of the Rupp Arena. It had been a basketball stadium space, but closed after a few years due to low attendance. The space sat empty for years, until they decided to bring in a traveling exhibit, a traveling Titanic artifact exhibit. The exhibit was to run from September of 2013 to late January of 2014. I was hired as the assistant manager and was thrilled for the opportunity to work with this exhibit and the people it would bring in. The first few weeks were reserved for setup and installation of the artifacts. The artifacts in boxes had arrived and were stored in the back. One morning, the curators from the home office in Georgia were set to arrive on site, and it was my job to open up the museum and provide security. I got there about an hour or so before, unlocked the door, and turned on the lights in the lobby. The area housing the gift shop was adjacent to the lobby, and in dim lighting, as there was no need to turn on the lights just yet. I needed to use the restroom, which was just off the gift shop. My business done, I exited the restroom and got the shock of my life. There was a great image of a man not three feet from me in the dim light. He was at least six feet tall. Even grayed, there were details about him that I will never forget. His hairstyle was from the Titanic period, as was the clothing, a long coat with tails and an open front. He had a mustache extending out a bit from his face. His right hand was bent at the elbow and resting on his abdomen. His left was out to the side as if holding a walking stick, 
I froze. My chin dropped, and I could not speak. He looked straight at me, but then began to dissipate. This took no more than ten seconds from start to finish, and it was more than a few seconds before I could move. I finally walked away and got down to working with the curators. Watching them unbox and place the artifacts in their places within the museum was fascinating and a bit sad knowing where they came from. From that point on, when I was alone in the museum, either opening or closing, I never felt alone. When I would come in in the mornings, I would always say good morning to the spirits, and at night, I would always say good night. I never saw or heard anything else after that one and only encounter. And this is a story from Brandy in Ventura, California. Holidays at Grandma's. Hey Lex, firstly I hope it isn't too late to sneak this into the holidays edition of Anything Ghost. I'm visiting family right now and these stories came up. Long time listener here and I love the show. Thanks for doing it. Take care. This happened at my grandma's house in the hills of Ventura, California. I've submitted stories about this previously, but I thought we could use some Christmas time haunted stories. Before I begin, it's important to understand the layout of the house. When someone comes in the front door, a wooden staircase is to their right, and there is an upper landing that is visible from the bottom floor. To the left, down a few wooden stairs, is the sitting room. That was where my grandparents kept their Christmas tree. Past there is a tile hallway leading to the left, where the kitchen is, and to the right, where the living room is. In the first instance, it was around Christmas time, and my grandparents had set up their winter wonderland display of figurines and decorations on the top of the mantel above the fireplace. My mom was standing a couple feet away from the mantel admiring the figurines, when suddenly, one of them rose into the air on its own. There was no mechanism or string for it to have done so. It looked as if someone, unseen, had simply picked it up. My mom watched as it slowly turned in the air, as if someone was showing it off to her from all sides. She started to back away slowly, not taking her eyes off of it. In the same way it had been picked up, it was gently set back down as if nothing happened. Another time it was Christmas Day. The entire extended family was in the sitting room in the front of the Christmas tree. There were aunts and uncles, my grandparents, and countless children and cousins. All in all, anywhere from 15 to 20 people were in the house that day. There was a family tradition that required everyone in the house to be in front of the tree before they could start opening up presents. So everyone was there in the sitting room. Keep in mind, the wooden staircase and upper landing were entirely visible from the sitting room as they were only a few feet away and ran along the wall. Everyone was opening gifts when the family was interrupted by a noise upstairs. 
my aunt was the first to glance up at the source of the noise, and the eyes of the family soon followed. Everyone heard as a pair of heavy footsteps began walking along the wooden stairway upstairs from one of the back bedrooms. There were great booming steps, as if a heavy man was walking upstairs. They listened as the footsteps moved along the hallway until they finally settled on the landing. At that point, anyone in that position on the landing would have been visible to the family below, but still they saw no one. Then the footsteps started again, this time moving down the wooden staircase only a few feet away from the sitting room. The family still saw no one. They only heard footsteps as they moved down the staircase. When the footsteps reached the bottom landing, they turned and with great thuds walked along the tiled hallway that ran through the side of the sitting room. If someone wanted to, they could have reached out and touched the space the footsteps were emanating from, but no one did. The footsteps continued on their way down the hallway past the sitting room and disappeared into the back of the house where they suddenly fell silent. The family in the sitting room was also silent. Everyone stared at each other. No one said a word. Then, without even acknowledging the sounds, the family went back to opening their Christmas gifts under the tree. I believe I read this sometime in the back, but it's included in my new book that just came out a few weeks ago or a month ago. It's called Forgotten Ghosts, True, True Ghost Stories from Centuries Ago. And it's a collection of a bunch of ghost stories that I got out of various sources. And they're from the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s. And so it's a great collection. So check it out. Go to Amazon and look up Lex Wall's The Easiest Way or Forgotten Ghosts. There's another book with the same title, but you should be able to tell the difference. And check it out. So there's a print version or the uh, electronic version. And this story is called The Haunted Rocking Chair. It's from Long Island, New York, in 1898. When I was a little girl, my father rented the family an old-fashioned house on Hempstead Harbor, Long Island, New York. It was a beautiful place, with large grounds, and had a magnificent view of the ocean. The ground floor of the house consisted of a front parlor, a library, a dining room, a kitchen, and a small room that opened off the library. The small room had been used as a sitting room by the previous owner. The house was partially furnished when we moved in, and we decided to use some of that furniture. In the little room off the library, there had been an old-fashioned rocking chair with a cane back and upholstered seat. Father fitted up the little room as a smoking room, or a den as he called it. But it was such a pleasant little sunny room that I spent a considerable part of my time there reading and sewing. The little rocking chair I considered my special property, and at my request, Father let it remain in the room for my use. 
One rainy evening, several months after our arrival, Mother and I were in the house alone. My mother was suffering from a sick headache. My sister Mabel was away on a visit, and my father was detained in the city on business. That evening I was in my mother's room reading for her, for, as I have said, it was my usual custom to spend my evening in that little sitting room off the library. Mother's room was directly over this, and any sounds that would come from it we would have heard very plainly. Our servants were also out for the evening, as it was their night off. So, again, we were alone in the house. While I was reading my story to my mother, I was suddenly surprised to hear the soft sound of someone singing in a low female voice. The singing appeared to be coming from the little smoking room below us. Mother heard the singing as well, and asked me what it was. I thought it was very strange, but didn't think that it was anything supernatural. In fact, such a thought never entered my mind. The singing went from a high pitch to a low pitch, as the voice of the singer rose and fell. My mother then asked me if someone was singing outside, but I told her that I was certain the voice was coming from down the hall in Father's smoking room. I finally decided to go down and investigate who the singer was. I went downstairs, and when I reached the smoking room, I paused for a moment at the closed door. I had to think hard, and I could not recall closing the door to the smoking room before heading up to Mother's room. I stood there. I could clearly tell the song was indeed coming from the smoking room. The song sounded like a lullaby, and I could also hear the creaking of the rocking chair moving back and forth. In my head, I pictured someone singing to put a baby to sleep. I slowly opened the door and paused before entering the room. The singing continued. I will never forget the strange feeling that came over me when I stepped into the room. I seemed to know that there was another presence in that room, but I could not see it. I reached over to turn on the light switch. The singing stopped. No one was in the room. It was just as I had left it. I stood there for a few moments and then went back out of the room as if nothing unusual had happened. Next, instead of heading upstairs, I decided to wait in the library and watch the room from the open door. And then a strange thing happened. The rocking chair began to move slowly back and forth. It rocked and rocked. Then, very slowly and almost Indistinctly at first came the song of the invisible singer. I didn't stand there waiting any longer. I stormed out of the library and up the stairs to my mother. I told her that one of the girls was back and was singing in the library. I lied because I didn't want to frighten her. She was feeling too ill for a surprise, and she accepted my explanation. 
For the next few hours, we heard the rocking chair singer, but it finally completely stopped after my father returned home. I told my father what had happened, and the next day, we moved out. We learned afterward that the house was known to be haunted. A young married couple had lived there many years before, and that smoking room was my wife's favorite place in the house. The couple had a baby, and he became sick a few months after his birth. He died shortly afterward. The young wife was stricken with grief, and she also died a short time after the death of her baby. Those who knew of the story said that on the anniversary of her death, the song she used to sing to her baby could be heard coming from the room, accompanied with the sound of the rocking chair moving back and forth. Other occupants of the house had the same experience as I did. And I think it's time to ring in the new year with a little humor. And this is actually kind of a humorous and scary story from a uh, trucker in Delaware, which is a state in the United States. And it was very popular when it came out, but uh, I hope you enjoy it. And this is from Lee in Delaware, the haunted truck. Hello, Lex and listeners. Uh, This is Lee from Delaware. I'm a truck driver and, uh, Lex, I, I found your podcast about a week ago, and I enjoy it a lot. Um, it's kind of hard sometimes finding a, an interesting enough podcast out there, but uh, I found yours, and you do great work, and keep it up. Um, I've got a story that uh, I can share with you. Uh, it's about a haunted truck, <laughs> uh, nonetheless. Um, I know you've all seen Christine, and this isn't uh, on that kind of level, but uh, it was weird uh, in my little world just the same. Um, This goes back to July of 2004. Um, I was sitting at home for a couple of months. Um, I took about a three-month hiatus from over-the-road driving just because it was, uh, at the time, burning me out and uh, needed time to sit around and think. I had a friend call me. We worked together at a company uh, back in 2000. And uh, since then, he went on to uh, follow his dream and he took over his father's business running tow trucks and a recovery service out of uh, Nashville, Tennessee. I was surprised to hear from him, and we were catching up, and this, that, and the other thing, and he goes to asking me if uh, if I wanted a one-time recovery job, and uh, I asked him what it all entailed, and uh, he told me basically, you know, it's not a repo or anything, Wouldn't there's no uh, <laughs> risk of life and limb on this one, it's just, go get this truck that... Um, he promised a, a friend of his who bought it that you know he'd go recover it and bring it back to Nashville. He had no other drivers to to call on to do it over a weekend. So, uh, so if you got the right price, and which he did, so I jumped on my bike and I headed down to Nashville. 
I get down there, I meet up with him, he gives me keys to the, the wrecker rig, and uh, he gives me directions, the uh, details of the truck, it was, uh, what I was looking for was a 1976 uh, Kenworth, um, kind of ironic, because uh, me and the truck were born the same year, <laughs> but uh, it, it seemed like it was going to be fun enough, because you don't see too many of that age around anymore so uh, I get the truck ready and I head on down to uh, southeastern Louisiana um, not not quite on the water but uh, out in the bayou nonetheless I mean nothing but country dirt roads everywhere you looked um, and not a lot of room with uh, 70 feet of truck I'll give it that but I uh, finally found the uh, the driveway I was supposed to be looking for, and uh, wiggled it on to the driveway, and wiggled up the driveway about a half a mile, which looked like it was going to dead end for a while, but I eventually came to this clearing out in the swamp, little clapboard house, and uh, there's the truck sitting right next to it. Couldn't believe the shape this thing was in, I mean, it was immaculate, it looked like it just drove off the showroom floor, I, I felt kind of bad, I had to drag it up on a trailer instead of hooking it up to one, <laughs> but a uh, little old lady comes out of the house to uh, greet me, she's got a folder in her hand with the title and all the shop work, uh, she sat there chatting with me as I was loading it up and chaining it down and uh, revealed to me that her husband Henry had owned the truck and that was his uh, pride and joy since he bought it new in 76 he had uh, passed uh, a year prior in it um, on his way back home he was you know, a mile and a half away from home uh, they found him uh, in the truck it was sitting gently on the shoulder of the road running uh, the brakes weren't even set. And, uh, she went on to tell me um, at night on uh, Tuesday nights, which was usually when he would leave, the radio would come on and play his Cajun music station out of New Orleans. Uh, I took it for what it was worth. It was, you know, old lady looking for some I talked to and everything else. I, I was really not the uh, believer that I am now. But, uh, uh, again, you know, haunted houses, maybe, haunted truck, nah, come on. She uh, gives me the folder, she sets me up with a thermos full of coffee and a couple cornbread muffins to go. I thank her for it. And I get back in the truck and I work my way on back out of the bayou around 9 o'clock at night. I haven't seen too much that uh, is as eerie as the uh, the deep southern swampland in the middle of summer at night. And you get that, well, I certainly felt that whole voodoo mystique and beings, or spirits, rather, present. On with the story, anyway. I got it back toward Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and I had to take some time, pull it over, go get a shower, and pick up a couple tools and odds and ends I was going to need, and uh, I pull in there, and 
a bunch of drivers pile out of their trucks that were there already and see you know watch me pull in with this old relic I got it parked and went over to the driver next to me and uh, gave him a 20 spot to make sure nobody stole it or took anything off of it and uh, I went on in I guess I was in the truck stop for about an hour and a half and uh, I come back out and it's uh, close to morning about now uh, I'd say about 2 in the morning the driver I'd asked to watch over it was still out there watching over it standing there in front of my truck with his arms crossed and his head tilted to the side with this funny look on his face and uh, I strolled on over there to him and driver something wrong and he was silent for a couple seconds and he looks over at me and he goes I can't figure it out what can't you figure out what's up he said well believe it or not he said everybody done went on back to their trucks I was in my truck doing my paperwork he said now the corner of my eye in my left side mirror I thought I had seen the lights on this truck the exterior lights come on go on and go off so just one time are you sure that's what you saw now before I left Louisiana I had to disconnect the battery drain the fuel out of the tanks and uh, make sure it was secure and uh, I said I, I, I reassured him I took him over to the battery box on the passenger side of the truck excuse me I opened up battery box and sure enough I'm like, here you are <laughs> yeah batteries are disconnected I said, it's got no power to it and again I, I heard what he said and I I didn't totally take it for granted I kind of put it in that folder back there and, but at the same time I didn't take it totally serious but we both kind of had to come up with a, an explanation <laughs> somewhat for us to be able to get back to our lives and um, we settled on it was reflections from a, another truck pulling in and out whatever it reflected off the lenses he went back to his truck I went back into mine this is rattling around in my head while I'm trying to lay down and go to sleep and uh, I guess it spurred kind of a, a crazy dream where in my dream I woke up to see this truck sitting off the side of me off my trailer and it takes off by itself and immediately I gave chase to it only to get down the road and it poof disappear right in front of me uh, again this was in my dream but uh, it, it was enough to wake me up in a cold sweat nonetheless and uh, I, I could feel just something in the air that was telling me this wasn't totally right and there was something weird about it I get collected and I check the truck over again I get it back out on the road well I get over into Alabama and it just starts pouring yeah I mean it's coming down in buckets I couldn't have gotten any more water if I'd parked under a waterfall I caught the glimpse of a rest area sign so I ducked it on over to the right I'm crawling through the rest area and I kinda had to get the truck on an angle and a turn to get it lined up in a parking stall well as I'm looking in my left side mirror make sure my trailer wheels are gonna line up 
into the stall, I go to get my sight focused forward again and out of the corner of my eye in my mirror, I could have sworn I seen the lights on this truck go on and off real quick. That it kind of, my stomach kind of uh, sunk. So I kind of sat there for a second. I'm going through my internal library of common knowledge and reasoning, trying to come up with an excuse for what's going, what what's apparently going on. So I'm thinking, okay, there's got to be <clears throat> another set of batteries on this truck somewhere. So I get my rain gear on, I get out in the rain, and I'm looking up and down, left and right, inside out, underneath, on top, everywhere. No other battery source to be found. So I'm kind of befuzzled, and I go back around to the original battery box on the passenger side of the truck. And I'm looking all around, make sure there's no other hot lead. Uh, just looked over it with a fine tooth comb, nothing. So I go to close the battery box back up, and as I'm moving my head back up in an upright position, the corner of my eye was kind of lined up with a passenger side mirror on this truck, and I thought I had seen the interior cab light on the ceiling inside come on and go off. This has weirded me out, and I looked around behind me and around me, and I'm the only person in this rest area besides a car that was on the other side of the lot, kind of you know, over the grass on the other side of the um, rest area building there, but no other humans to be seen, not out in the rain like I was, apparently. I get back in the truck, and it's just still pouring cats and dogs and everything else and there ain't no way I'm gonna drive in this I set my dinky alarm clock for a couple of hours and I try to catch a nap and I found it hard trying to fall asleep but eventually I got there my alarm clock didn't do its job sufficiently and I overslept by about five hours and woke up around 8.30, 9 o'clock that night to a truck air horn and that's pretty much enough to get a corpse out of the box if you know what I mean it's <laughs> definitely not any way you want to get woken up because it will just fray your nerves totally I jolt out of the bed I'm groggy as everything I'm looking at my watch Ah, I overslept get my boots on because now I'm throwing the curtain open and I'm going to go out and chew somebody's head off. And I jump out of the truck, the rain stopped and I'm looking around and there isn't another truck around me. And I have to take a mental step back again think to myself that there ain't no way. There is no way. So I go jogging out toward the roadway to see if I can see the truck that had just uh got me out of bed unneededly. I get out by the roadside, by the northbound lanes, a couple cars go by, but that was it, no truck to be seen. I just kinda, I shook my head. I'm, I'm, I'm in such disbelief at this point, and I look at that truck sitting on the back of mine. I was getting pretty close to the point to where I was going, about to dump this thing off of me because it, it just, a weird feeling in my gut and just a weird mystique in the air and everything else so once again I had to get myself collected I go back to my truck 
and uh, I get my uh, load bar out and go around retighten the chains and I'm putting some angry force into them <laughs> I'm just taking it out on the old truck and I'm cussing it left and right telling old Henry you ain't getting the best of me buddy whether you like it or not you're going back to Nashville <laughs> I get rounded up get back in the truck and I get back on up the road again well, it wasn't much further and I'm just dragging tail I'm not able to fully wake up I'm out of coffee and I need coffee I spotted an old 76 sign off the roadway and I got off on the exit had my fingers crossed that I was going to find a place to park and uh, anyway I get into the truck stop it's kind of one of them deals where the, the driveway kind of horseshoes around back of the station and back there there was a couple spots for a truck to park while well, there's another truck there uh, appeared to be uh, another driver sleeping so I kind of parked on the opposite side as far over as I could so not to uh, wake anybody else up and bad enough I'm having the luck I am with it so uh, get it parked and I go in see if there's any coffee available well there wasn't and uh, I had to bribe the gas station attendant 20 bucks for her to fire up the coffee maker so we're sitting there it was going to take about 12-15 minutes we're talking and uh, I kind of heard subliminally in a way multitasking if you will but while we're talking I kind of out of the far ground I heard what sounded like another truck pulling into that lot it was a you could hear metal slapping and chains rattling um, it wasn't three maybe four minutes uh, we're still talking and apparently the driver to the other truck that was back there was a, a female uh, this female comes bursting through the door hair all over the place hysterical look on her face she's looking around frantically and she sees me and comes marching over pointing at me is that your low boy out back yeah what's what's up and uh, she just lunges grabs my arm drags me out the door and back around she's pointing at my truck you gotta come and see this what what's going on she stops and she looks right at me she goes I was woken up by that truck on the back of yours fired up redlined the engine and just started hopping around on that trailer trying to bust loose I, come on you gotta be kidding me and I was I really had to take a take a step back on that one because there's no way I look over the truck is totally silent sitting there all by itself she was very insistent and I just I wasn't really again I wasn't to the point of wanting to believe that could actually happen truck had no fuel in it no power I got her calmed down enough to where I'm like look I'm sorry you got woken up I don't know what this is about but I can prove it to you that truck is not capable of firing up and I led her over there I cracked open the battery box I showed down uh, pointed the flashlight down on the batteries I said what do you see 
Well, those batteries are disconnected, I said exactly. And there ain't no fuel in them tanks. And she just, she kept insisting. And I just, uh, I wasn't to the point to where I was going to call her a liar. But, um, again, I heard what she said, but I wasn't, I was just totally discounting it. I tried to you know, reassure, look, go back to your truck, go back to sleep. I'll get this thing out of here. You ain't got to worry about it. So uh, I get back in it. I pull it around to the side of the station so I can run in, get my coffee, get a hot dog to go, hopefully. And uh, the attendant, she was all uh, jumping about. What's going on? Do I need to call the cops? I'm like, no, calm down. Something happened out there with my truck. Uh, I made up a dumb excuse. I didn't set the brakes. It rolled forward. Let a worker up. Yada, yada, yada. I uh, got what I needed, got on out of there, got on up the road. This is all going through my mind because <laughs> when you drive a truck, it, you got nothing uh, nothing else better to do than to think, <laughs> especially when there ain't a whole lot of traffic out. Going again, going through my library of reasoning and knowledge and all I knew was I was going to get it back to Nashville, get it off my back, get my check, and go home. <laughs> so that's basically where my... And uh, it's late. I don't even remember what time it was at this point. But uh, I went and looked in my mirror, and a uh, state patrolman pulled up behind me, lights on, beeping his horn. Driver, pull over. And I'm thinking to myself, great. <laughs> my bad luck just went to worse see if I get an award this time so I pull it over and I turn the truck off and I sit there patiently waiting for him to come tell me what I did wrong sure enough he makes it up to my passenger door and uh, just very agitated look on his face and uh, just starts uh, screaming and uh, he's asking me questions but at the same time screaming and he just he pulls his gun out driver get out of the truck now okay <laughs> got my hands up crawl out slowly I do everything he tells me hands up behind your head walk back to my car behind your back he throws the cuffs on me meanwhile I've asked him already three times what did I do wrong what did I do wrong nothing cuffs me turns me around leans me up against the car driver who's in that truck on that's sitting on your trailer i said officer there's nobody in that truck driver who's in the truck that's sitting on your trailer i said officer i've stopped about four or five times since i've picked this thing up i guarantee you there's nobody inside that truck <laughs> Driver, if I go up there and there's somebody in that truck, you're going under my jail tonight. Do you understand? And, uh, I, at this point, I'm just ready to say to hell with it all. Whatever. Go ahead. Check it. And, well, as he was walking away, oh, by the way, tell Henry I said hi, will you? <laughs> he, he turns around. Yeah, don't be a smart-ass look on his face. So he moves on up there with his flashlight and his gun and... He's all up on looking under it and on top, and he's in and out both sides of the truck. 
cussing about can't uh, he's not finding nothing scratching his head and he can't figure out why he's not finding somebody in that truck well he eventually works his way back puts his gun away and he walks up to me and says well driver I think I owe you an apology I said well before you go that far can you first tell me why you pulled me over and he pauses for a couple seconds and he goes well I was parked in the median back there when you went by me he says uh, you weren't speeding you looked okay as you were going by so I, you know I was gonna let you go on he said but as soon as you went by and I got a look on the back side of you he said I noticed the brake lights on this truck that's on your trailer were flashing and it wasn't hazard style it had a a rhythm to it he said so I jumped in and gave chase to you to see what's going on he said closer I got to you he said I watched those taillights and I'd recognize them as Morse code SOS he said so that's when I threw the lights on you pulled you over <laughs> SOS are you kidding me it's got no power the batteries aren't connected there's no possible way I checked the truck a couple of times there's no extra batteries on the truck there's no no power nothing connected this is uh, driver I don't know what to tell you I said, uh, bring your flashlight and he gets the cuffs off me we go over there with his flashlight prove to him look there is no power to this truck driver are you sure there's no other battery? I am positive and he puts his head down. He's sitting there thinking for a second. He says, well, do you have any compla a complaint you want to file? I said, I, I just want to get this truck to Nashville. He says, driver, you have a good night. And he couldn't get out of there faster. <laughs> I just, I'm standing there on the shoulder. And I, I mean, I, I've seen my share of weird things. And my temper has been tested quite a few times. And I give Bobby my friend who put me on this job a call I got him out of bed send another driver down here I'll, I'll meet him in Birmingham but they're bringing it the rest of the way back what are you talking about what's wrong I said man this thing is cursed it's voodoo all over it's something I said but lights are coming on it's starting up by itself I got cops pulling me over. There's the batteries aren't connected. There's no fuel in it. Nothing. I was like, this, this thing is wigging me out. I'm on the verge of losing it. <laughs> Send me a shrink while you're at. It. He's like, what kind of drugs are you on, Lee? I'm, I, dude. I'm telling you, there's something weird about this truck. And we went back and forth, back and forth. Eventually, he coaxed me into bringing it the rest of the way. Well. <laughs> I get it back up to Nashville in the morning. I parked the trailer by one of the shop doors, so all he had to do was tilt it up and roll the thing right into the shop. And I got away from it. I parked the truck end of it on the other end of the lot, and I just sat there until Bobby came in the morning. I just stared at it. In that time span is when I, I finally had to come to terms with there is something in that truck <laughs> and it did not want to leave home I tried to explain this stuff to Bobby he didn't want to hear it and when we finally got it the truck off the trailer 
if you looked on the deck, you saw eight rectangular marks where the rear tires were setting, where it evidently was spinning on, spinning out on the deck. I'm trying to put two and two together for him, and he just really wasn't hearing it. He was almost ready to send me for a drug test. <laughs> but um, it just, it, it was a really strange occurrence in my life and since then yeah it's been a weird ride but it definitely humbled me uh in a lot of ways to where it, being human has a lot more it makes a lot more sense <laughs> if you will i've seen the truck one other time actually last year i was coming out of reno middle of the night uh, and I was about the only one out on the road. I hadn't seen anybody for a while. And I looked at my mirror and a truck came up over the hill behind me, coming up on me. And I'd get on the radio and try to get the driver on it. And uh, tell him, you know, go ahead and get in the left lane. Well, wasn't getting nobody on the radio. And the closest truck got, I could tell it was an old, older KW. I thought, huh. So he got a little closer, and the closer he got, the more I noticed this was the same paint job on that truck of uh, old Henry. And my stomach just hit my feet. I'm like, oh man. And I keep looking in my mirror, and I'm trying, I'm still trying for the driver on the radio, nothing. And as the truck is going by me at 10 clicks faster than me, uh, I noticed all the windows were mirror tinted like aviator sunglasses so you couldn't see in but uh just kept right on getting it with a flatbed of coils and i, I flashed flashed them anyway with the lights telling me to come back over from the left lane and honked the horn and flashed me back and just kept right on going so uh whether there was a driver in at that time or not i have no idea but uh it wouldn't surprise me nonetheless there you go hope you enjoyed it and like i said i'm much rather would have done it this way i tried to type it out but it was way way too long <laughs> but um enjoy your show i'm gonna keep on listening and uh have a good one lex have a good one listeners i'm lee and i'm out of here later okay that's it for anything ghost show number 299 i hope you enjoyed it thanks so much everyone for sending in your stories for this episode if you want to include a story in the next episode, which will be episode 300, and it would also be the 17th anniversary of Anything Ghost. If you want to uh, join in, you can email it to lex at anythingghost.com or fill out the form at anythingghost.com. There's a form for send your story. Okay, everybody, have an absolutely wonderful new year, and I'll talk to you throughout the year on Anything Ghost. Until then... Take care.